There are no borders with Bitcoin, and from the beginning, its disruption has been global. Tune in to Borderless as Coindesk reporters Anna Badikova and Danny Nelson dissect their top most recent Bitcoin and cryptocurrency stories from around the world. This episode is brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Welcome to Borderless. I'm Anna Baidakova from Moscow, Russia. And I'm Danny Nelson in Utah in the United States. Okay, so now it's just me and Danny, US and Russia, just like the legendary US-Soviet space bridge of the 80s. I'm not sure if anyone still remembers that. But today we're going to discuss some exciting topics like the North Korean Hackers Weekly, because this topic kind of became our regular one. The incoming crypto taxation in some parts of the world. Well, this is an exciting one. And some fresh news about the GameStop frenzy and its consequences, I guess. So let's start with uh, the most thrilling news, I guess. Taxes. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Yay, taxes. Russia is on its way to tax cryptocurrency transactions. A draft bill about crypto taxation is now in Russia's parliament, the state Duma, and it has just passed its first round of hearing. It's the one out of three it should pass just last week. The bill says that Russian taxpayers must declare crypto they receive to their wallets if its overall value reaches 600,000 rubles or a bit more than $8,000. It's not even a full Bitcoin, by the way pretty little crypto and you still need to declare it. And if you refuse to declare and get caught, uh, there is a fine of 10% of the undeclared amount. And for not paying your crypto taxes, the penalty is 40% of the amount you should have paid. And the tax agency will be able to request information about taxpayers' accounts that they used for deals with crypto from banks. So better not hide anything, probably. And India is also moving towards crypto taxation. A new bill was introduced. The government wants to impose personal income tax on crypto traders and the goods and services tax on trading platforms. So crypto exchanges will have to pay 18% from the trading fees they harvest. It's interesting that more and more countries start paying close attention to crypto and they're introducing cryptocurrency taxation along with other regulations and rules. South Korea is also in that group. It's going to tax cryptocurrency gains starting the year 2022, as we reported in January. So it's like becoming the new normal around the world. If you deal with crypto, you have to tell your government about it. How does it feel? Like It's been the reality in the US for a while, Danny, right? So I, I wonder if you have ever had to report your huge crypto bags to the IRS. You know, they're definitely not that large. Let me tell you that much. But the IRS really has been going after everyone's bags for a couple of years now. And it does feel like the rest of the world is moving to uh, position itself in much the same way that the US has, at least on the taxation front. I guess the government's so just realizing that there's a lot of money to be made in uh, taxing people's crypto gains. And so they're doing what they can to uh, capture at least a little bit of that. In the US, the IRS is really trying to crack down on everything they can think of. They don't just tax transactions or sales. 
they'll tax airdrops, they'll tax conversions, anything that they can, they will slap a capital gains tax on. And that could be anywhere from five to 20%. So, you know, I mean, this is a, it's a pretty boring topic. No one likes to think about, but when you really get down to it, this is one of the biggest underlying um, things that are impacting the cryptocurrency world. Taxes are something that everyone is supposed to pay. And if you don't, then the tax man will come knocking. I know that uh, I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, there was this guy who he took his Bitcoin and he deposited it into a wrapped Bitcoin account, I guess, just so he could have that interoperability on Ethereum. And the exchange he did it through sent him a tax form because apparently that itself is a taxable event. He's not even converting the Bitcoin into dollars, but in changing it into another cryptocurrency or depositing it, that alone is enough to trigger the IRS's alarms. So it's just another thing to think about every year. We're coming up into tax season right now in the US. And so I got to say, everyone, make sure you file your crypto taxes properly, but better yet, never ever sell. Because if you don't sell and you don't move it, then you haven't actually made any money and the IRS won't tax you. So that's my uh, tax planning strategy. Not a financial advice. <laughs> this is not, yes, this is not financial advice. Although I guess doing nothing isn't really financial advice anyway. So yeah, just, just hodling. Look, if we suggest that the world or at least some parts of the world are moving to the same place uh, the US is already in, like how scary that place is. Is there any chance you can report your crypto taxes without the help of a professional tax advisor? Because I heard people had a huge headache just documenting everything and often choose to hire somebody to do it for them. You know, I, I haven't really had much experience filing crypto taxes because my activity is pretty minimal. But I know that if you're a day trader, then you really have to keep really good records on everything that you're doing. And you probably will want to, at the very least, download some software that can help you track everything that you're doing. Because if you're trading these coins all day, every day, uh, and you're not keeping track of where you bought and where you sold, then you're going to have a huge headache when uh, tax season comes around. Wow, that sounds quite disturbing. Even though, you know, maybe there are even scarier things than taxes in the world of crypto right now. Yes, uh, there are. What about our favorite people, North Korean hackers? Our, our favorite people. The North Koreans are doing us all a favor, trying to spare us from filing taxes or even claiming losses by stealing our crypto. This week, the DOJ, uh, probably realizing that we here at the Borderless Podcast needed to talk about North Korea for the third consecutive week, indicted three North Korean hackers for allegedly stealing over $100 million in cryptocurrency from exchanges around the world, including a handful in the U.S. The prosecutors say these North Koreans have become, quote, the world's leading bank robbers by using keyboards as their weapons instead of guns. But as longtime listeners of the paddle know, these North Koreans are allegedly using the crypto to build more sinister weapons, nukes. Yes. So these, these hackers, uh, apparently they're part of a broader conspiracy to steal over $1.3 billion in cryptocurrency in the last couple of years. This is an international conspiracy, according to the US. And it's worth remembering, it's not just the US that's saying this. 
just last week, I believe the UN put out a report or there was a report within the UN that basically made the same argument that the North Koreans are mounting a gigantic campaign around the world to steal cryptocurrency. And the, the UN says that it's just to fund the development of nuclear weapons. But what really stands out to me in this case isn't just the big eye-popping figures of crypto that these guys are allegedly stealing. It's the different ways that they're going about trying to make money in the crypto sphere. Apparently, they tried to raise funds through a mostly failed ICO called Marine Chain. Just think about that. These state-sponsored actors are trying to foist people's money away from them by uh, issuing an ICO. I guess they took a playbook from the many, many, many people who did the same in 2017. This sounds like a thrilling investment opportunity. Yeah, thrilling investment opportunity. You can invest in Marine Chain. That's what it's called. Uh, you will never get your money back. You'll be heavily sanctioned and put on watch list and will probably hack your computer. But uh, that's what's alleged here. They also created this malware called Apple Juice, J-E-U-S, Apple Juice, that was apparently set up to look like a cryptocurrency trading platform, but fooled people into downloading it from a buggy website and basically took over their computers that way. But you know, my single favorite point about these three hackers isn't even the crypto angle. It's the history that they have, allegedly, with uh, North Korea's attacks against U.S. and international corporations. The three hackers in this case are apparently the same ones who went after Sony Pictures in 2014 after Sony put out that uh, Seth Rogen movie with uh, James Franco called The Interview which just skewered Kim Jong-un and actually was a very funny movie, but was very um, offensive to the great Democratic People's Republic of Korea. That was a cool movie. It was. Uh, I really did enjoy it. I liked the part where everything blew up at the end. <laughs> but that's not surprising, right? That it's the same people. If we suggest, like, I guess, any regulators are suggesting right now that these hackers are hired by the North Korean government to hack away, to steal cryptocurrency and so on, then obviously it's the same people. Like, I guess once the North Korean government hires you, you can't just call it quits. You, you can't just say, all right, uh, I'm going to probably get another job. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I, I wonder, are these guys just like the super pros within North Korea? They're like, all right, well, what are we going to do this year, boys? We already uh, took down a movie studio. We're going to try to take out the Ukrainian power grid. I'm sorry, that was Russia. But uh, let's see. Okay, I guess this year we're going to go after crypto exchanges. So they're just uh, piling on. Well, but by the way, the report didn't name the U.S. entities that suffered the hack, right? No, it didn't. It's a mystery. But uh, in yeah. the past, we've been able to figure it out through contemporaneous reporting. Uh, we haven't tried to match it all together just yet for this case, but I know that in the past we've been able to take this little bit about it happening on this date and knowing that this exchange was hacked around that date kind of put two and two together. All right, yeah. Like next time we're going to be less lazy and c connect the dots. That's, that's highly <laughs> doubtful. I think we will continue this level of laze. By the way, speaking of the government-affiliated hackers, like the Russian ones are a no-low-key case. This is a high-profile case, and a bunch of people have been indicted 
for hacking away and stealing crypto on behalf of the GRU, the military surveillance uh, agency. My colleagues in Russia wrote a bunch of investigations about how the government forces recruit hackers and talented IT people to basically provide a military-grade cyber weapons to the state. And this is a pretty scary thing if you think that uh, the the wars of the future are going to be not like people shooting at each other or like throwing bombs, but just silently taking down the entire systems of of their enemy states, you know, uh, like just one country, cyber attacks, another, and and so on. And if we're going to see more and more of that, you know, that's a kind of a cyber dystopia we can live in. It is. And, and, you know, what really strikes me about this whole, you know, state-sponsored hacking story is that North Korea has completely different motives than everyone else. You know, let's see, who would you say are the top state actors for hacking? It's probably Israel, the US, China, and Russia, maybe the UK in there too, but I'd say probably Russia's number one. And then everyone else is kind of trying to play catch up, but close behind. And then the North Koreans are pretty good, but they're not doing it to, you know, disrupt enemy states or take down networks so much as they are just trying to make a living. You don't see Russia trying to steal billions of dollars in cryptocurrency or the US or Israel or anyone else doing that because they don't need to. They have money. They have these taxation programs. I mean, North Korea, what they can't, <laughs> they're not taxing crypto uh, platforms. They don't have crypto. They don't even have the internet there, I think, probably. Okay. That's like a last resort for for the states to get money. You either tax crypto or you steal crypto from others. Or you steal crypto, exactly. Everyone else is just trying to, you know, tit for tat. And North Korea is just trying to make a living over here. So that's something to think about. I don't know how to feel about that, but kind of have to feel a little bad for the hermit kingdom until you remember that they oppress their people and uh, are building nukes. And then you feel less bad. Yeah, I mean, they still manage to have these high-level professionals that can perform those hacks. I hope North Korean hackers and everyone pursuing them will keep providing topics for this podcast. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you, DOJ. And now to maybe to a less violent mob, (laughs) less dangerous disruptors, the Reddit stock traders. We have another GameStop chapter here, right? We do. And in fact, today on Thursday, we've got everybody's favorite actors from the Reddit GameStop stonk trading saga appearing before the U.S. Congress to get a grilling by lawmakers who will probably show that they really don't know anything at all. There's going to be the CEO of Reddit, the CEO of Robinhood, at least two hedge fund guys, and then Roaring Kitty, also known as Deep Effing Value, the Reddit trader who went big on GameStop and cashed out around $23 million. And they're going to be talking about everything from market manipulation to payment for order flow to like, I guess the ethics of shorting 140% of the stock, even though a stock only has 100% of shares. So I still haven't figured out the math on that one. If anyone could uh, give me a hand, I would appreciate that. Probably going to learn a lot of new stuff about Reddit. And they're going to ask a lot of dumb questions, I'm sure. If anyone can remember when they brought the tech titans out for a grilling, questions that they were asking Mark Zuckerberg really just were almost embarrassing how bad they were. What happens afterwards? 
after they have this hearing, what is the outcome? Let's say everybody gets educated about Reddit and Robinhood and how people behave on both platforms. But then what? Do you think any legislative action, any kind of new regulation can follow in this case? I mean, I guess what could come out of this really depends on where the lawmakers are focusing on. There's a couple of core questions that are swirling around here. I guess one of them being, is it market manipulation to say, I like a stock and here's why I like it? Because that's something that these hedge fund guys do on CNBC and the financial television all the time. So is that something that we can't allow for uh, a bunch of Reddit buffoons? It seems like we can't really ban that. And then also maybe there will be questions about how the practices that these hedge funds employ to, to make money by shorting stocks. I don't know if there will be any new regulations that come of it, but I guess the one thing that lawmakers might try to do is empower the SEC to take a stronger stance against market manipulation. The question, of course, is how do they balance the desire to keep the markets from acting crazily? And everyone who was involved in the Reddit GameStop saga does say that GameStop was never worth $400 a share. It, maybe it wasn't worth $5, but it's not worth $400. So how do we keep the markets from going crazy without telling people you can't share your opinion, because that would be a whole other legal question. Well, like if they prohibit Redditors from saying we love the stock, they should like sh just shut down the entire crypto Twitter, I guess. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's a mess. Absolutely. Talking about Robin Hood, everything that came on the heels of the frenzy, the Reddit crowd learned about cryptocurrencies and particularly about Dogecoin. And the Dogecoin also could ride this wave of retail interest. <laughs> and Robinhood is now, you know, the, the largest Dogecoin whale. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd, the market activity in Dogecoin. I mean, people are literally putting their money into a, an inferior version of the Bitcoin blockchain. Dogecoin emerged from the Bitcoin blockchain many years ago, and they never bothered to fix a lot of the tech issues that uh, were around in Bitcoin's earlier days. So they're literally putting their money into a meme that doesn't necessarily work so well. And they're doing it because Elon Musk is pumping it. This is the man who has famously declared he has no respect for the SEC, and he's living by that mantra to this day. Wow. He's also promoting some new coin right now, is he? Yeah, he, uh, in his eternal push to be the most idiotic crypto promoter on the planet, but also influential. He is now turning his attention to Mars coin, which is actually a pretty irrelevant crypto that's been around for many years. Uh, I don't think that he realized that. He probably just took the word Mars and the word coin and smashed it together like a, and, and came up with Mars coin, tweeted that. And now I think the coin is up by some huge amount. Wait, so I'm just reading the description of Mars coin if that's the Mars coin that is meant here, derived from the Litecoin fork of Bitcoin, Mars coin is dedicated to supporting the settlement of Mars and other space-related projects intended to get humans living and thriving off of planet Earth. Yeah. Whose idea was that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe um, Satoshi Marshimoto or something like that. He did it today, I think because it, today is a pretty big day 
for our effort to land on the red planet. Uh, today, NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory will be attempting to land a rover on the surface of Mars. They're going to do it with something called a sky crane, which is basically a rocket that hovers above the Martian surface, lowers a, a full rover down on a 20-foot cable at three miles an hour, and then flies off as far away from the rover as it can and blows up. Wow. This is the cutting edge in space exploration technology. Uh, I don't believe that it is funded at all with Mars coin. In fact, I'm almost certain that it's not. NASA has better things to do. Than with Bitcoin, I guess. No, not even with Bitcoin. We're not going to the moon. We're not going to Mars with Bitcoin. Uh, and besides, they have plenty of taxpayer money that, you guessed it, came from the IRS coming after people's crypto. So <laughs> that's where they get their money. If you imagine, so you have Elon Musk's name and something called Mars coin, I guess many people wouldn't even, you know, bother to do any research. Like you have Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk is going to Mars. You have Mars coin. Elon Musk should be know what he's doing. So if he's tweeting about Mars coin, let's get all in. Oh, for sure. And people really never do any research on what Elon Musk is tweeting about when they're trying to trade on his tweets. A couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk was promoting Signal, the uh, secure messaging application, and he just tweeted out, use Signal with no explanation. And in the hours that followed, a completely irrelevant stock with the symbol Signal went up like a thousand percent. It has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with the Signal app. And in fact, I don't even think they make a product that you can use But the company just went right to the moon because Elon had tweeted their name. So he has no respect for the SEC, and I believe him when he says it. So like, look, I used to think that you learn about the crypto market looking at the normal stock market and kind of studying the patterns and strategies that people use there, and then they transfer it to crypto trading. But now it looks uh, to understand what's going on in the real life stock trading, you need to look at what the hell is happening with the crypto trading. And, and then you realize what people are thinking. And, you know, they're taking the same strategies to trading stocks, which sounds quite insane. Yes. At this point, I think we should remind our listeners that uh, none of this is financial advice. And you should not take any financial advice from us or from Elon Musk. We oh are not God, no. registered financial advisors. And you will end up bankrupt if you try to follow anything that you think we're trying to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't do this. Because we are talking about crazy things here. I just wanted to mention a couple of headlines from our website that sound particularly fun to me uh, this week. One is Malaysian Bitcoin mining gang stole over $2 million in electricity, say police. And those guys were mining on the top floor of a shopping center. So the next one is even better. Chinese retailer goes from bubble tea to crypto mining in unlikely pivot. This is what I call an unlikely pivot. You know, this just reminds me completely of the infamous Long Island blockchain story. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and not just in the idea of a company that is completely irrelevant to Bitcoin and blockchain, making a pivot toward it, probably to capture market activity. 
but also because they're both drink companies. Long Island Blockchain was an iced tea company, I think. And here, once again, we have a bubble tea company that is just pivoting into Bitcoin. It does look like they're buying mining rigs to actually power their new operations. But still, it's like, what kind of company are you running that you could just say up and go, okay, we're done with this business model. We're just going to go right on over to Bitcoin. Right, because I think the Long Island tea blockchain uh, just used that blockchain hype and they only uh, changed their name to have blockchain in it. it. It's not that they did anything to change their business model, right? But these guys really go from bubble tea to mining Bitcoin. This sounds like a nice side business for any normal life, real world business. I don't know, like you, you're farming tomatoes and on the side, you have a little, you know, barn <laughs> with Bitcoin ASICs buzzing. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a more honest to goodness move into the cryptocurrency world than just buying lots and lots and lots of this Bitcoin. I don't know any company that would ever do that. But um, <laughs> yes, at the very least, they are doing something. Sounds too. absolutely unlikely that any big company unlikely. would buy a hell lot of Bitcoins. Yeah. No. Why, why would they do such a thing? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Like participating in the network is kind of, you know, it looks like a more exciting and more useful way of participating in this Bitcoin economy. So, I mean, again, not financial advice, guys. All right. That's the coolest topics uh, we had this past week. That's everything we wanted to discuss for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. And please subscribe to our podcasts especially for the Coindesk report feed, which includes Borderless. And let us know if you enjoyed this show. We have an email, borderless at coindesk.com. You have been listening to Borderless. I'm Anna Baidakova from Moscow, Russia. And I'm Danny Nelson from the US. See you next week. You've been listening to Borderless, part of the Coindesk Podcast Network. By subscribing to one feed with your favorite player, you'll get free access to all the shows from the editorial team at Coindesk, each focused on a particular niche, perspective, or ongoing discussion within the world of cryptocurrency. This episode featured Anna Badakova and Danny Nelson, with an announcement by Lila Ledesma. Today's show is produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau, with music by Cody Martin. Did you enjoy the show? We would love to hear what you think. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred service and talk to us directly via email at podcasts at coindesk.com. Hold up. 